2 Timothy 4, verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. And I watch this next statement. Here's how he wants Timothy. Paul is exhorting him, and here's how he wants him to preach. Here's how he wants him to reprove and to rebuke and exhort. He said, do it with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and we are there. We are there. We're right in the middle of it. For the time will come when they will not endure what? Preaching? Not necessarily because there's a lot of that that goes on or the pretense of it. They will not endure church? No, there's a whole lot of that going on or what they call church this morning. He said they, their time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall turn away uh, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Father, thank you for the privilege to stand behind the sacred desk this morning. And Lord, thank you for the privilege to be your servant. And I thank you for what we've already heard and felt. Lord, I sure don't want to get in the way and I sure don't want to mess anything up. And I pray you'd touch me now and anoint me with fresh oil and use me and touch my mind and help me to think clearly your thoughts and touch my lips and help me to speak the truth of God and the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit and in the love of God. I pray you'd touch our hearts and open up our hearts this morning to receive the Word of God by faith. And I pray, Lord, that you'd let the seed of the Word of God take up root and bring forth fruit that would remain to the glory of God. Do an eternal work in our lives here this morning and all throughout this week. May your name be glorified, may your will be done, and may our lives be changed for the glory of God. And for everything you do, we will thank you and give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said... You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I have preached several messages on this particular subject at my church. And it's amazing what can spring you into uh, studying a, a specific topic or a specific passage of Scripture. And uh, I, was, I was online and something had struck me one day. Maybe you've seen this. But I was online one day and... Um, a, an article came up, and it was about Oprah Winfrey. And uh, I don't care what she says, she's probably, somebody's going to talk her into running for president. You can just mark that down. That's coming. And uh, there was, she, she was talking, and I, I just got interested in, in, the, in what was being said at the front of that article. And so I just played it, and I listened to the entirety of it. It's not very long. You can go listen to it yourself. It's easy to find. And she began to talk about her relationship with God, she began to talk about her religious experience. And in, in what she said, it struck me. And out of the, what she said, I've been preaching a series of messages in my church on the subject of doctrine. Doctrine. Oprah Winfrey said this in that, uh, in, she, she did, part of it was an interview, part of it was her show, and she used to have the daytime show, and then part of it was something she has started, some kind of religious religion she is in. She is a, uh, uh, they're in the several different things. But one statement she made, she said in her early 20s, she was sitting in a Baptist church. Not a Methodist church. Not a Pentecostal church. Not some non-denominational outfit. She said she was sitting in a Baptist church. 
And inside of a Baptist church, she said it was full. She said it was one of those churches where you had to get there real early if you wanted to get a seat at all because the preacher that was there, the pastor of the church, he was very charismatic in his personality, had a great delivery, and uh, he, people just wanted to hear him. So you had to really get there early to even get a good seat. And she said, I can remember sitting there as he was preaching and he was talking about uh, the, the message and talked about how God was this and God was that. And then he said this, he, she said, the preacher said, and God is a jealous God. And Oprah Winfrey said that it struck her at that moment, how could God be a jealous God? If He is love and He is compassion and He is all of these things, how can He be jealous? And He's jealous over me. She said, I could not in my mind uh, get a hold of how God could be a jealous God. And she said, I begin to think right there about these things that were being preached. She said, at that moment in my life, she said, I came to the realization that there had to be more to, to, to religion than just doctrine. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think was might have been going on in that service. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God. But what might have been going on in that service is God might have been getting a hold of her. God might have just dealt with Oprah Winfrey's heart and he might have been putting her under conviction. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you understand why God is a jealous God, uh, you appreciate the fact that he is a jealous God. That there is a people that are his and he looks upon them and he's jealous of them with a godly jealousy. I'm telling you, I don't even deserve to have God to look my way. But for him to be jealous of me, son, I'm telling you, it turns something makes me want to run around the building this morning. That there's a God in heaven who is holy and righteous and has provided it all for me that he is jealous of me with a godly jealousy. And for you to, to, for somebody to take that out of context and misrepresent it tells me a whole lot about where they stand with God. But she made the statement, she made the statement about doctrine and it caught my attention. That article goes on to tell about the religion that she is involved in and she had a gentleman on there that she was interviewing and they did a, uh, a meditation time where they closed their eyes and he talked to her. It's, so, it's funny and it makes me mad at the same time. He told her uh, in, that, in that portion of that video how to, to meditate and, and to how to lose yourself basically in that meditation and that sounds funny until you learn of the number of people around the world that are involved in what she's involved in. But I want you to know that Oprah Winfrey used to sit in a Baptist church. I realize where I'm at this morning. I know I'm in the depths of the Bible Belt. I, was, I lived here for 32 years of my life, so I know my surroundings. I pastored here for... Uh, I guess eight years, nine years of my life. I know the people that I'm dealing with. I know I'm in, I feel like I'm in the greatest church in this entire area, so I know where I'm at. I know who your pastor is. He's one of the best friends I have in this world. I highly respect him and revere him. I know what he preaches. I know what he just preached for us and how it helped our church. But I also know where people are. And I know that people can sit under sound preaching and not receive it and still be deceived even though they have sat in good churches and under good preaching all of their life. Now, just because I have announced the fact that I'm preaching on doctrine, please don't die on me. Because doctrine is something that should not make you die. It's, it, is a, it is a subject that should make you live. 
And so I want to explain some things. Honestly, as Brother McKeon was preaching this morning, I sat back there and wrestled with the Lord and tried and begged my way, tried to beg my way out of preaching this particular message. I feel like whatever my lot is this week, whether it's preaching this one service or if I preach in every day and every service, I'm going to preach on doctrine and the subjects of it. But I wanted to get away from this this morning because of the preface of it and what I'm going to read to you. But the more I begin to turn it over in my heart and mind again, the more excited I got. Listen, I'm going to understand something. What rescued you was somebody somewhere had a hold of the right doctrine and they preached that doctrine and it got a hold of you and me and God was able to change our life. Doctrine by definition in a general sense is whatever is taught. Where Oprah was wrong, Brother Gravely, is to understand that she teaches a doctrine. In the first part of that video, she says in the video that uh, she had there has to be more than just doctrine. She had to divorce herself from doctrine and go to seeking her own way. Can I just say to you, anybody that will ever tell you that there's any other way than the way of this doctrine, the way of this gospel, they are not. They do not know God. They've never known God. Are you listening to me? They've never known God. But you need to understand something later in that video she, uh, whether she understands it or not uh, she is teaching a form of doctrine doctrine in a general sense is whatever is taught no matter who's teaching it so I would say to you that the doctrine of the gospel uh, are the principles of the truths that are taught by Christ and then in his apostles the doctrines of Plato are the principles which he taught hence a doctrine may be true or false it may be mere intent or it may may be opinion, but what a man stands and teaches, be it preacher, teacher, whoever it may be, uh, what that person is teaching is considered a doctrine of something. It is the act of teaching. It also means learning, knowledge. It is the truths of the gospel in general. The nature, if you read Henry Thiessen's book on theology, and it'll take you some time to do that, but if you do read it, He says in one chapter on theology itself, the nature of theology, he says this, the term theology is today used in a narrow and also a broad sense. In the narrow sense, therefore, theology may be defined as the doctrine of God. But in the broad and more usual sense, the term has come to mean All Christian doctrines, not only the specific doctrine of God, but also the doctrines that deal with the relations God sustains to the universe. In the broad sense, we may define theology as the science of God and His relations to the universe. So if you went to Bible college this morning, and many of you have, and I know there's one here, but if you went to Bible college, basically most teachers are going to teach you the narrow sense of the definition that theology is defined as the doctrine of God, and that is correct. But as the Christian world sees that word, it is more of the broad sense in defining theology as the science of God and His relations to the universe. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. What is the necessity of theology? The necessity of theology lies in the development of an intelligent Christian character. Five people agree with me, I'm going to say it again. The necessity of theology, it lies in the development of an intelligent Christian character. 
I believe there's a whole lot of people that come to our churches and they get saved by the grace of God. But as far as growing in Christ, under, understanding doctrine, understanding theology and the principles that we need to be grounded on, ladies and gentlemen, in my church, in this church, in a lot of good churches, people just do not know. There are two erroneous views on this subject. Number one, that there are little or no connection between man's belief and his character. Listen to me. Are you, did you hear what I just said? That there are no, little or no connection between man's belief and his character. What you do, what you believe does come out of you. It does control your character. It pushes you. It drives you. Ladies and gentlemen, if a man uh, says in here on a Sunday morning, he stands up and testifies uh, that he loves God and God has saved him and changed his life, but Monday through Saturday he lives like hell and talks like hell and acts like hell. Mark this down. What he said on Sunday morning is a lie. What he has lived Monday through Saturday is the truth. It is his character. Why? Because it's really what he believes. It's what he believes. Number two, that theology, this, this, uh, this erroneous view that theology has a deadening effect on the spiritual life. Listen now, the liberal sometimes charges the orthodox believer with the absurdity of contending for the traditional beliefs of the church while living like an infidel. His creed, he insists, has no effect on his character or conduct. The liberal, on the other hand, sets out to produce the good life without the orthodox creed. How can we reply to this charge? Merely intellectual acceptance of a set of doctrines is insufficient to produce spiritual results. And unfortunately, many people have nothing but an intellectual loyalty to the truth. I'm going to say that one more time. Merely intellectual acceptance of a set of doctrines is insufficient to produce spiritual results. Just because in your mind you say you believe the King James Bible... Why do you believe the King James Bible? Why do we believe in old time religion? Why do we believe in preaching? Why do we believe it takes the blood? Why do we believe in repentance? Why do we believe in what was testified this morning about the good and wonderful grace of God? Just a mere intellectual acceptance. And that's what we've done. A lot of people have just sat in our churches and they've just accepted things. They don't know anything on their own. They never read their Bible on their own. The only time the pages of the scriptures in most people's Bibles are turned over is when they come to Sunday school and church on Sunday and church on Wednesday night. But honey, I'm telling you, it'll change your life if you ever take this Bible and go home and begin to know things for yourself and walk with God on your own and quit depending on your preacher and quit accepting everything just as a mere intellectual knowledge of it. But true belief involving the intellect, the sensibilities, and the will does have an effect on character and conduct. Listen, I wish I knew who said this. I, it might have been Evans, but here, listen to what he said. Men act 
according to what they really believe, but not according to what they merely pretend to believe. You know what them old timers always, they never got up and they always used the word doctrine and you never, maybe they never stood up and used certain words in theology. But I'll tell you what those old men of God did. They talked about the pretenders in church. They talked about things that related to where you and I could understand them. They weren't trying to shoot over our head. They were keeping the cookies on the bottom shelf where you and I could get a hold of them and eat on them and feast on them. And friend, they might have not have said those real intellectual words but now we got a group of men that are saying the intellectual words but they're not living it and they don't believe it it's just words to them they've been to Bible college and said somebody called them to preach and they thought it paid good so they'd go take a church somewhere honey look up here at me I want you to know this ain't a profession to me this ain't a job to me honey I'm telling you the God of heaven reached down and said Save my soul and change my life. And he dropped some doctrine inside of me. And I can't say all the words. I can't even explain it all like I want to. But it is in me. Amen. It's a calling I cannot get away from. It's something I cannot shake off. It's do it or die. It's preach or die. I'm telling you, friend, this is not a profession. I did not choose this. He chose it for me. I want to say something. Uh, Can I say this without sounding like a Calvinist? Uh, You didn't choose him. He chose you. Are you listening to me? I said you didn't choose him. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. I'm telling you, most of us wasn't even thinking about God. But here he come, walking our way where we is at. And he rescued us and pulled us out. I say hallelujah. Bless his name. Thank God when we weren't thinking of him, he was thinking of us. What you believe. Now I'm going to say something right here. I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to take 60 seconds to say it. I'm not trying to, but you hear me. I'm sick of being called a Pharisee for what I believe in. I'm sick of, I'm sick of being called a Pharisee and a legalist for what I believe in. Most of those men that use those words can't even define them. Pharisees were lost men that were trying to, uh, to, to do and accomplish the works of the law to please God. Are you listening? Yep. To, to, to know God and to please Him and, or to be saved. I'm not living like I live to be saved. I'm living like I'm living because I'm saved. But you see, we're living in a generation that's tried to explain everything away because in one hand, Brother McKeon, they want the church and they want God and they want His blessings. But in the other hand, they want the frills and the thrills of the world and they want to live in the flesh. And when their kids hit their teenage years, they drop their standards and they drop their convictions and they walk away from everything that they once stood for and they look back on you and I and they call us legalists and they call us Pharisees 
but you hear me. I've got good doctrine this morning. I've got good doctrine. Everything I believe, I don't have to take it out of context. I don't have to explain it away. I don't have to say, well, my pastor said. I'd say God said it, and that settles it. Amen. Men act according to what they really believe. But not according to what they merely pretend to believe. I've had friends pretend. I've had church members pretend. And pretend well. I mean, that's what pretending is, right? It's an act. And I'm going to tell you, we got a lot of people in our churches, they need to quit church right now and go to Hollywood because they'd make it. They'd make it. I mean, Brad Pitt, he ain't got something on some of y'all. You men, I mean, you, you got him beat hands down. Y'all should have went to Hollywood a long time ago. Are you listening? That's what, that's what it is, pretending. That's all they do in Hollywood's pretend, pretend, pretend. But honey, our churches are eat up with people that don't really believe what the man of God's preaching. I used to think it was just me. I used to think it was my fault. But oh, I'm telling you, God helped me one night. Brother Pendergrass, he showed me I am responsible. But when I'm delivering the truth, honey, it's up to me to deliver it. It's up to you to handle it. It's up to you to apply it. And I'm telling you, people sit in church and sit in church and they don't care what the man of God's preaching. They don't believe it. I've watched them shout, cry, run the aisle, sing in the choir, and still won't live it. That theology has a deadening effect upon our spiritual life is true only if the subject is treated as a mere theory. See, that's what's going on in a lot of our churches. It's not about theology with preachers. It's about a theory. And the reason a lot of churches are dying and old-time religion is dying is we have a generation of preachers that have left theology and it's just a theory to them, just like anything else. But this is more than a theory. And honey, when you study the pages of this Bible and you dive into the doctrines of the Scripture, oh, it's not deadening. Honey, when your pastor stands up and preaches the doctrines of the Bible, and let me just say, just because I'm saying the doctrine of this and the doctrine of that doesn't mean that when Brother Gravely stands up next Sunday and he preaches on the resurrection, but he don't stand up and say, I'm preaching on the doctrine of the resurrection. There's not a service that goes by here that that man don't brush up against some doctrine and bump up against get some doctrine and remind you of some doctrine. Honey, I'm standing in a place where for many, many years now, there's been good doctrine handed down to the people of God, but it's up to you and me to do something with it. If it is related to life, theology will not have a deadening effect upon the spiritual life. It will instead be the guide to intelligent thinking about religious problems and a stimulus to holy living. How could correct and full views concerning God, man, sin, Christ, heaven, or hell do otherwise? Theology does not merely teach us what kind of life we should live, but it also inspires us to live such a life. 
Okay. I need a little bit more help than that. I mean, if we was at the ball game and, you know, it was down to the last and they were on, I agree, Brother McKim, but I'm going to tell you, we'd be standing there feet. Uh, some of y'all, y'all can't sleep at night because your basketball team just got beat this past week. Uh, I mean, Virginia lost that the first weekend, so it didn't, uh, I mean, I'm not affected at all. And the Bulldogs ain't even no good at basketball, so I'm ready to go to church. I mean, we're up, we're ready. Yeah. But I mean, a man of God can get up and talk to you about doctrine and people sit there and look at him. Honey, I'm telling you, there is nothing else that we ought to get more excited about than the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen again. Theology does not merely teach us what kind of life we should live. See, it's not about somebody disagreeing with you and me. I'm over that. You know who they're really disagreeing with, Brother Barnes? They're they're disagreeing with him. Well, that's just not how I see it. Can I just say this? There are many, listen, there's many applications from this book, but there's only one interpretation from this book. And it's not about how you see it and about how I see it. It's about how he said it. It's for every man, young man, old man, rich man, poor man, black man, white man, honey. This Bible was cut out to help you and me no matter who we are. Theology, Theology does not merely teach us what kind of life we should live. It does, but that's not all it does. But it also inspires us to live such a life. Amen. Amen. I mean, the Bible don't just say live holy. But when you turn its pages open, Brother Goolsby, it shows us, it inspires us, Brother Laddie, about how to live holy and who did live holy and the results of living holy. Oh, yes, friend. I believe a lost man can take this book and he can look in it and say and see that it says, be saved, heaven or hell, turn or burn. It don't just tell him what to do, but thank God you can keep on reading it as an old sinner it'll inspire you to do it amen it'll inspire you to get saved that's why the Catholic church don't want their people reading the Bible they'd get saved tomorrow they'd leave that outfit I tell them in Virginia read your Bible make sure what I'm saying's right because if it's right it's only going to inspire you to do right <laughs> it's worthy to note that often the great doctrinal truths are couched in a practical section of Scripture. I don't have time to deal with all that. It'll be amazing to you if you ever read your Bible like God wants you to. How that in just these small New Testament books, such great and wonderful doctrinal truths. I'm talking about, Brother Freed, foundational truths. That if we don't have, we don't have. 
I'm not talking about preferences and the further I go, the more I realize there's a whole lot less preferences than what guys used to tell me were preferences. Oh yes. There's a whole lot less preferences than what men want to make out to be. There's a whole lot of black and white. There's a whole lot of... This ain't a book of suggestions. It's a book of commandments. Amen. God didn't say, well, maybe if you feel like it, no. He said, do it, do it, do it. Theology does not merely indicate the norms of conduct but it also furnishes the motives for seeking to live up to those norms. I'm afraid we have a generation that their motive is terribly wrong. I've been there as a preacher. When I started preaching, it was all about me. Where am I preaching? Am I preaching? Who am I preaching for? How many times am I preaching? It's all about me. After God broke me of that, it became somewhat about being all about men. Trying to be this guy. Trying to be that guy. Trying to pastor like this guy pastors. Trying to have so-and-so's church instead of my church. But I'm hoping this morning that more than any other time in my ministry today, well, it did become about people. I thought that's what it was about at one time, that it was about those people I was preaching to. But today, Brother Barnes, it's not about men. They can jump the lake for all I care. It's not about me, thank God. I finally found out how wicked I really am. And it's not even about you this morning. I didn't come here for you, though I love you and I'm sure thankful that we get to see each other. It's not about any of those things. But today, more than any time in my life and my ministry, everything I'm trying to do, it's all about Him. It's about the one who rescued me. Our motive for what we do must be right. So give me five minutes. I want to show you the importance of knowing doctrine. Or in other words, why doctrine? You've said all this, Brother Eric, and I haven't even got into the Scriptures. I've got, I mean, doctrine's important to God. I mean, over and over, and I, I've got, I mean, I don't even, I didn't even touch the surface this morning. Here's what he said in 1 Timothy 4.13. Here's what he told him. He said, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and you know what else? Doctrine. Give attendance to it. Pay close attention to what's being said concerning doctrine. It's important to God. He said, 1 Timothy 1.3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, you know, to do what? That they teach no other doctrine. Make sure, Timothy, they're not teaching any other doctrine. It's important to God. I don't have time to deal with that, but why doctrine? Uh, four simple things I want to give to you. Why doctrine? Why? Why is it important? Number one, I would say to you, first of all, that doctrine is important for relationships' sake. Relationships' sake. Romans six seventeen. But God be thanked that ye were 
the servants of sin, but... Now, things are fixing to change right here. With that conjunction, things are fixing to change. Now, don't listen, don't shout me down just yet. Give me just a minute to get it out, okay? Because I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, but because of the blood, but because of the grace of God, but because of His mercy. I'm not going to say any of those things, but let me see if you can pick up on it, okay? But, you, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto you. I don't know what form it was the day you got saved saved but somewhere or another when you walked in there was a man of God somebody was preaching on grace somebody was preaching on the blood somebody was preaching on Calvary somebody was preaching on his mercy hallelujah friend he didn't specifically say but he said you've obeyed the doctrine that was delivered unto you (laughs) amen for relate, you can't be saved without the right doctrine. Amen. I don't, I'm not a Baptist brother. You listen to me. I believe there's other places you may can get saved. But you mark this down. They are going to have to be preaching the gospel unadulterated. I don't care what denomination. It's got to be the gospel or you're not getting in. That's right. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Honey, it's the gospel or nothing. Relationship's sake. You can't have a relationship. You cannot have the right relationship with Christ unless you obey doctrine. Boy, that throws all that other stuff at the, feeling, at the window like a feeling. Well, preacher, I was in the service, and man, I got goosebumps. And, and preacher, I, I had this feeling run up and down my spine. And preacher, I had this dream. Right? Like to an Old Testament prophet. Preacher, I had this dream one night, and they tell you about this dream, and you're like, no, no, that's, that's not a dream. You thought you were drinking the punch, but you got a hold of some NyQuil, and, and you, you had a bad experience through the night. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you, friend, it's not about a feeling. It's not about tingling. It's not about your thoughts or my thoughts, how you felt. Honey, I'm telling you, I might not have felt what you felt, and you might not have felt what I felt. I might not have thought what you thought but I tell you this we all got under the same doctrine and that's how man gets saved hallelujah for a preacher who will rear back and not worry about the crowd and not worry about a popularity contest but he'll just take the Bible and preach the gospel unadulterated why? because he knows he knows the importance of doctrine in your life but it don't stop there Not only the importance of doctrine for relationship's sake, but I see the importance of doctrine for reality's sake. Reality's sake. Ephesians 4.14 That we, 
Henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of denominationalism. With every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the and, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Look up here at me. I may get a little strong here for 30 seconds, but you hear me as much as I believe that we're where we're supposed to be, as much as I believe that God is here, as much as I believe that I'm a God-called preacher and that's a God-called man of God and this is God's place and assembly. Honey, you mark it down. There are men purpose this morning that are preaching a false gospel there's going to be more people dying go to hell from a so called church pew than there will any other place in this world deceived the Bible said they are lying in wait to deceive how will they do that they'll tie enough truth brother Gravely into a lie to get people's attention and you know as good and well as I do that people will believe a lie quicker than they'll ever believe the truth. Are you listening? So not only is doctrine important for relationship's sake, it's important for reality's sake. Be That you henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. It'd shock you this morning who thinks in this church, who thinks it's still okay. To watch Joel Osteen. Come on now. Oh, hang on. Or John Haggie. I'm sorry. Are you listening? You say, well, they're probably 80% right. It's not the 80% I'm worried about. It's the 20% they're dead wrong on. And if they're dead wrong on 20% of the real importance of life and doctrine, honey, it don't matter what else they're preaching. It don't matter about a feel-good message, honey. It matters about what God said, and that settles it all. I want you to understand it's not your pastor's job to follow you home and make sure you're reading your Bible and make sure you're praying. It's not your pastor's job. You may tell you something, friend. There's 52 weeks in a year and your pastor, if he preached every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, and every single Wednesday night count revival means, do you understand that you're probably, you understand he's probably only preaching to you at a minimum probably less than 200 times a year? There's... How many days are in a year? 365? I don't know about leap year. I don't know what that does. <laughs> what are you going to... 200 times at a maximum. This guy, man, he can say so much in so much less time than what I can. It's amazing to me. I wish I could do it. I've tried to copy him. It don't work. I get tongue-tied. I sound like a Pentecostal like I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> But if he had an hour per service and preached a solid hour, you know he's not doing it, but preached a solid, that's, that's less than 200 hours in a year. What are you going to do with the rest of it? 
Do you know why people are tossed to and fro? It's not just because of a relationship. It's called reality. And the reality is, is that people are not giving themselves to doctrine. Number three, I'll tell you why doctrine is important. Relationship's sake, reality's sake. It's important for rebuttal's sake. Rebuttal's sake. I love, I don't know, I mean, I'm not going to get political, but I don't know how many of you know Trey Gowdy. If you follow him at all, I love the guy because he just flat puts it on them liberals. They can't stand him. I know, I know all of you know who Sean Hannity is and Rush Limbaugh, and we could, we could split things over them, but let's just hear what I'm saying. You know why that that liberal crowd don't like them? Because if they want to talk about a law, they can refute it. If they want to try to destroy, bring up some, some kind of law or some kind of policy and, des- and, and destroy it when the average person wouldn't know what they're saying, wouldn't know what they're talking about, those men know exactly how to refute it. And man, I love to watch them. They know exactly what the policy says. They know exactly what the law says. And son, them liberals get so mad you can see smoke coming out of their ears. They are fuming because they run into somebody who don't take a back seat, but they know how to refute them. They know what to say to them in return. And it shuts them down and it shuts them up. And they have to go regroup. Here's what your Bible said. The Bible said, hold fast the faithful word as you had been taught that you may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayer. 1 Peter 3, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you by, with meekness and fear. I'm just not running into a lot of church folk that I stand back and go, wow, they put it on them. Wow, I'm telling you, that, that old sinner thought he was going to get away from him. That old sinner thought he was going to throw that question out there that he trips everybody up with. And, but I'm telling you, that, boy, they, they were sharp. They were able to put it on them. Man, I'm telling you, that old, that old liberal who's gone, liberal, look up here at me. I know what I'm talking about, friend. I'm not, just, I'm not just preaching because I've heard another man give an illustration. I'm telling you, there's a friend that your pastor and I had who's preached for both of us that we love and admired uh, who has went the way of what I'm talking about this morning uh, and they've got off into false doctrine and false teaching and if you'd have told me 15 years ago that that would have happened to that particular person, I'd have laughed in your face. Uh, he can preach circles around me this morning but I'm telling you, he's in it. Uh, you hear me this morning? Uh, but I'm telling you, I sure love uh, to know that when he brings something up I can look him square in the eye and say, hey, you're wrong, sir. This is what the Bible says. Refuting rebuttal. I'm tired of Christians having to duck their head. I'm tired of watching the people of God not know what to say. And I'll just be honest with you. I hate it this way. But when you, when you, here's what, they relate you back to your church. And then when they relate you back to your church, they relate you back to him. So you know what it kind of looks like? He don't preach anything. He don't teach anything. 
The church don't stand for anything. What do they do down there? Run the aisles, who holler and shout, don't do anything else. They must not preach anything. They must not teach anything down there. People don't know anything. That ain't on him. And that ain't on this church. That is on you. That is on my people. You know why? Because we all have the same access to the same doctrine. I'm going to tell you what will go on this morning. Anytime the man of God gets up, I'm telling you, son, it should be, you should be with your Bible open. Not your cell phone out. I don't need you to put me on Facebook. I don't even want you to put me on Facebook. Don't take my picture. You want a picture with me? Come get it afterwards. I'll sign it with a gold pen and retired. Are you listening to me? But listen, don't get, we don't care for your phone being out. We don't need a memory. We need you to make a memory with God. People out trying to take pictures everywhere, ain't got their Bible open, ain't listening to what the man of God say. Then when they leave the house of God, they wonder why they're in worse shape than when they leave than what they were when they come. Pay attention. Son, I'm telling you, when the man of God gets up, he may turn over. I, I don't know where. He may turn to Proverbs 31. And if you're a man, you shouldn't shut your Bible and say, well, it just ain't for me today. You ought to be on the front of your seat saying, God, please say something to me. Speak to me. Touch my man of God. Use him. Help me. I would say this. I'm done. Why is doctrine important? It's important for relationship's sake, reality's sake, rebuttal's sake, but it's important for rescue's sake. I was talking to Brother Kirkman this morning. Came down for breakfast about the same time, and we sat together and talked about what God's doing in the state of Utah. And uh, he was telling me about the differences and how things are so much different there than they are in the East. Of course, I know that because I spend so much time with Brother Teddy and, and things of that nature and have been out there so much with him. And He talked about this morning about how, to, how he has to deal with people and relate to people. And I want to tell you something, friend. If he didn't know what to say, he's not winning one person to Christ. I'm not saying you'll always have every answer, but you ought to have an answer. Rescue's sake. Listen to 1 Timothy 4.16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing so, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You say, preacher, how can I keep my life out of sin? I know he's talking to the preacher here. I understand that. But all scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine. For, we believe that, right? How can I keep my life out of sin? How can I keep my life clean? How can I keep my family together? What's the best odds? Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself. You say it's not up to me to save me. Yes, it is. Got two people said amen. I know it's not up to me and you to save us from hell. But you do have some obligations in this life to save your testimony, to save yourself 
from the pull of the world in your life. Yes, the Holy Ghost is there, but you hear me? There is a doctrine being preached today that is damning people. Honey, it's a doctrine that they're preaching and they talk about it being the grace of God, but it is a grace and a lasciviousness. All they want to talk about is a positional stand instead of a practical application of the grace of God in your life on a daily basis. Save thyself and them that hear thee. You may, you, may, you may tell you why I think that, that sinners ain't coming into the house of God. I know what hour we're living in. I know what day. But you hear me. It ain't about showing up for Saturday visitation. I believe in it. We do it. But you hear me. The Bible said save them that hear thee. I understand he's talking to the preacher, but you listen to me. What is, what is he dealing with? What Sound doctrine. And if we were just living sound doctrine on a daily basis, it'd change people's lives around us. Are you listening to me? It would so provoke and inspire people who watch our lives. This is the third time I said I'm done, right? I'm, I'm done. I always have to say it three times. I'm going to tell you something. This week is Jubilee. There's going to be some of the best preachers in America that will be here. Y'all have got one of the best preachers. I said it before he got to my meeting. I said it during my meeting and I'll say it in his meeting. Y'all got one of the best preachers in America right here. And if y'all ain't careful and go to taking him for granted... And not praying for him and being thankful for him. God may put him somewhere else where people really want a preacher. Y'all okay? Y'all know I love you. I'm not trying to chew you out. I'm just telling you the truth. Y'all got one of the best preachers in America right here. He studies, he prays, he prepares, he has a burden. But tell you what ought to happen this week and every week. Not just Jubilee, but every week when y'all come back to church. Man, when that choir gets up, boy, it's easy, ain't it? When that choir gets up, woo! Hallelujah! Man, I enjoyed that testimony this morning, the grace of God. I, lo- I love to hear, bro- I've been here listening to Brother Pendergrass testify for years. I love it. Woo! We ought to shout. Boy, when they sing... We ought to shout, lift our hands, and run the aisles. I'm going to tell you, friend, when that man of God gets up and opens the pages of the Word of God, Brother Abbott, he may not say, I'm preaching on the doctrine or whatever this morning, but you know what's coming. There's some doctrine that's going to be preached. And when he begins to open the Bible and preach that book, I'm telling you, it ought to be like electricity running through you and me. I know every service ain't the same, but honey, to hear the truth one more time, to hear doctrine one more time, to have the man of God preach to me one more time, I'm telling you, we'll do laps around the building and shout till we pass out and worship God not over a feeling but over doctrine because feelings come and go change with the wind doctrine never changes it's important and we better know it and we better live it for the glory of God we're standing all over the building